Andrew's one of our good mates and he truly is one of those real life superheroes right now. You know, he's a trauma doctor working right on the front line, fighting against COVID every single day. So he's going to come on now. Tell us a bit about his personal story of faith, why he believes what he believes and how he's, you know, managing to find peace in this crazy time. So over to you, Andrew. Hi guys, how are you? Um, thanks for joining us tonight. So yeah, so like Isaac and Pat just said, my name is Andrew, uh, originally from Taiwan. My wife, Ola, and I, we moved here to Dublin about six years ago, and we've been living here ever since. So, uh, and as of a few weeks ago, my wife and I entered a new chapter in our lives when we had our first baby boy. So it's very, very exciting times. And, uh, but other than being a dad, I am also an emergency medicine doctor, and I currently work in an inner city Dublin hospital in the matter. Uh, so like we're talking all evening, it's definitely a scary time that we live in with COVID-19. From a medical point of view, I've definitely seen the damages um, that it has on my patients of all types. Tonight, I want to share a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected me in my personal life uh, rather than in my medical field. So my wife and I recently went through a very, very tough few weeks. As I mentioned earlier, we've recently become new parents to our firstborn son, Theo, on April 6th. And we were expecting him to be delivered a little bit later in June. But instead, my wife had to have an emergency section about four weeks ago, and Theo was born premature at 31 weeks, thankfully very healthy. Now, the suffering that I'm about to share started a week before Theo was born. So on Monday, the 30th of March, I just finished working a week of nights in the COVID section of emergency department, and I was exhausted, and I was very much looking forward to spending time to rest. Now, my wife, Ola, she had an anesthetic appointment that morning in Rotunda, so I offered to drive her there. During her checkup, they found out that her blood pressure was high. Uh, so these were all signs that were a little bit concerning for preeclampsia, so the doctor decided that they would keep her in overnight for observations. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term preeclampsia, it's basically um, high blood pressure condition that can occur during pregnancy, and it become it can become a risk to mom and baby if it's unable to be managed properly. So obviously we weren't expecting this at all. I mean, all her regular pregnancy checkups have been normal up until the moment, and we certainly felt blindsided. And our main concern was that Ola was only 30 weeks pregnant and Theo was very small for his age at the time. But still we were hopeful, you know, that this was only an overnight stay for observation and that she would be uh, allowed to go home the next day. Uh, and because of COVID restrictions, I wasn't allowed in into the rotunda. And so Ola had to go in alone after, you know, we said our goodbyes up in the main entrance. So the next morning, what happened was Ola called me to say that she had a really, really rough night. Uh, her blood pressure was through the roof and took the doctors and the midwives several hours in the middle of the night just to get it under control. Uh, they didn't think she would be fit for discharge just yet. So she was kept in the same night and the night after that. And it became apparent to me halfway through the week that Ola was not going to come home. Um, every night was the same vicious cycle. She would be put on a higher dose of medication only for it to fail come middle of the night. She was losing sleep and she was losing hope. And she was also starting to feel physically unwell and weak as well. The hardest part for me, I think, was that I couldn't be there physically to support her because of the restrictions. Uh, through regular video chats, I saw how Ola's mood deteriorate to the point where she, being a massive 
Disney fan, uh, lost all desire to watch anything on Disney Plus. Uh, I've never felt more helpless as a husband. A week later, we were told that Ola's preeclampsia can no longer be managed by medication and that she needed to get a C-section at this point. Uh, at this stage, this was something that we expected. Uh, I was told to be on C-section. Now, on the day of the C-section, Ola could sense an odd peculiar tense in the ward, uh, and it turned out there was a suspected COVID patient in a ward that day, and this put everything into disarray. Uh, despite this, Ola was reassured by the infectious control team that, uh, that I was still able to be present for her C-section. So that afternoon, I stepped into the rotunda, I went up to the ward, and finally saw Ola for the first time in person since all this kicked off a week ago. Uh, I smiled at her and I said, let's, let's go have a baby. I'm trying to be very positive about it. Uh, so we walked a short distance towards the operating room just on the hall. Uh, however, the theater, door, the theater door opened and we were met by two nurses who stopped us in our tracks uh, with a stern and very sterile voice. They said, no, no, I'm sorry. Partners are not allowed. She has to come in alone. Their instructions were met with protests from the ward nurses right behind us uh, who said they were told the contrary. So we're now caught in between this loud chaos and confusion between the ward nurses and the theater nurse. Um, and in the midst of all this, Ola was led quietly into the theater. And before I realized, Ola was already inside the operating room and the theater door closed right behind me. So no last eye contact, no chance to give her a word of encouragement or even a simple I love you. She was gone and I was left behind with no further clarification of what exactly just happened there in the last one minute. And I think that was probably the last straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, my emotional wall came crashing down that moment. You know, like whatever strength, whatever composure I've kept all week, whatever resilience I've honed from my training as a doctor evaporated at that moment. Um, I, was, I was really angry at the injustice uh, that had just happened. I mean, of all the things that have gone wrong all week, surely we deserve just one thing to go right. And, you know, I, it felt like God did one too many. Surely it was not, it was enough for Ola to just have endured a preeclampsia in isolation, but to rob us of even that one chance of normalcy in delivering a baby together, it's just, it was just too much, God. So Ola went in to deliver our baby, who later had to be kept in an ICU for a few weeks. And I was told that I could not meet him until the time of his discharge from the hospital. Now, it's hard to capture in 10 minutes the turmoil that that week has been. Uh, many of our church friends who were in the loop described it as an emotional roller coaster, even for them. And Ola and I certainly needed their help and support because it was an incredibly difficult time for us. You guys really encouraged me to wrestle with God. Um, this means to engage honestly with God with all your frustration and hurt rather than being emotionally disengaged from him. So I wrestled with God. You know, I wanted him to help me understand why all I and I had to go through such relentless suffering that felt nearly excessive in the end. He could have made it stop. He could have allowed just one good thing to happen. If he even could have just let me enter the C-section to support Ola and see Theo physically, just even just so briefly, it would have made up for the horrendous week leading up to it. So I wrestled with God regarding to this. And in the end, I found peace 
as God began to address my heart. So first of all, part of my suffering was a result of my gradual loss of control. I wanted to help my wife, but I realized I had little control over the situation. I couldn't physically enter the hospital. I couldn't use money to buy my way in. Even my title as a specialist registrar in emergency medicine, one that I've sacrificed so much of my time and my energy into, the one thing that I thought surely was an advantage in my life in this particular type of scenario was completely useless. I realized that I've depended heavily on things such as money, prestige, and others' goodwill in my life. And yet these things ultimately failed me when I needed help the most. However, at the same time, there was one person at that moment whom I realized I could run to for help, who would not reject me, and that was God. I can come to him simply as myself, beaten, broken, and imperfect. I became aware that I didn't need to earn a right to be at his presence. I could come to him simply because Jesus died on the cross for me, and he made a way for me to come to his presence. So he gave me great comfort and peace, knowing that he was the one person I could go to in time of needs. The second thing that God taught me was the danger of the phrase, I deserve now. So I felt entitled to good things. And when suffering happened for no apparent reasons, I raised my hand up in protest for the injustice. It has been ingrained within us to have no place for innocent suffering, both in our lives and in this world. And to this, God pointed me to his son, Jesus. God said, look at my son. He is perfect and sinless. And yet I put on him the ultimate injustice and suffering. Jesus did not deserve to die, and yet God allowed him to die on the cross for us. So the innocent one perished in our place so that we might not finally perish. And God said his justice will come, just not yet. We're so used to having everything now. So wicked punished now, righteous are blessed now. Now, I expect the blessing of God now. I expect to know the answers right now. But in the Bible, God demonstrated repeatedly the value of faith and God's promise of things unseen and yet to come. If you and I can trust that the reality of our injustice is not the be-all, end-all, but that there is an unseen goodness in the horizon in the form of eternity, it will give us peace. So to finish, I just want to conclude by saying that it is far better to search and find God than to search and find insight to why of suffering. First of all, we will never fully understand why there is suffering. However, we're given an invitation and an opportunity to put our trust in God who has all the insight and understanding to the ways of the universe. And like a child who fully trusts that his or her father cares and loves for them deeply, we can have that same peace that doesn't always require full understanding of our situation. So can we find peace in suffering? My answer is yes, but peace does not come in the form of full understanding to the why of suffering. Peace comes from having a relationship with God like a child has with his father, able to see your current reality with the lens of, with the lens of eternity and to be able to rest in the unknown because you trust that your father has full insight and is in control of the matter. So thanks for listening. I just want to share my story with you 